Welcome to Around the Table. We know the power of the Word, and so does Satan. That's why he loves to undermine people's confidence in the Bible. Well, this episode will get you excited about the rock-solid reliability of the Scriptures. They have withstood every attack he could throw at them. And you'll learn about the second annual Apologetics Conference. I'm excited to participate in today's podcast about ETR's apologetics effort and the upcoming apologetics conference on a very, very important subject, reliability of the scriptures. Hi, I'm Nick Gutwine, and I serve in and with the West Lafayette congregation. And joining me today is Brother Scott Barr from our Detroit church. Scott, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Nick. It's a pleasure being here with you. Yeah, Scott Barr, I'm fr- I've Born and raised in Detroit, uh, consider Sabatha, Kansas area a second home due to family connections out there and having spent four years at K-State. Sunday school teacher and choir director and very passionate about this topic. So excited to be here with you today. Yeah, and just a little bit of a sidebar for listeners. I first met you, Scott, you'll remember, oh, you won't remember, actually, you were 18 months old and it was nearly 40 years ago. And I can remember Suzanne and I were leaving from Purdue and pursuing a job in Detroit, which we took. And so we were able to spend eight years there. But I distinctly remember you in diapers and me carrying you across the Detroit Metro Airport, the old airport. And now here we are uh, nearly 40 years later doing a podcast together. And it's really a joy for me to do that. No, I, I appreciate that. And Nick, it's I told you this previously, but um, you know, you might have only been there eight years, and that's a small portion of your life. But in my mind, you're always going to be a Detroit native because for the first ten years of my life, uh, you were such an you and Suzanne were such an integral part of our church, and um, I just I've always considered you one of ours. So it's special to be here with you today. Yeah, it's it's one of the beauties of being part of this this apostolic Christian church we're part of. Uh, you know, we were. I mean, this is not the point of this podcast, but. <laughs> my, oh my, the impact of our church welcoming each other as we move around and travel uh, has lasting memories and impact. So so thank you for no that. question. So let me start uh, just by reminding our listeners that the Elders Teaching Resource, or ETR, was started by the Elder Body in March of 2019. And the prime purpose is to provide our ministers and Sunday school teachers with support in biblical learning, developing a deeper understanding of our core doctrines and practices, and increasing knowledge of our church history. All of this for the benefit of our church body and to strengthen unity across our brotherhood. So that's important as context, but one aspect of this work in the ETR is the area of apologetics. So Scott, can you tell us a little bit about the committee that that has been formed and is leaning into this important ministry? I sure can, Nick. And and I actually came in after the committee had already started. Last um, last October, Fred Witzig, as you know, with his role with ETR, was leading this committee, and uh, I was invited to come join them right before they held or we held our first apologetics conference last October in Indianapolis. And it was shortly after that that I was asked to chair the committee. So so my experience with this committee um, is really just in the last twelve months. But we've done a lot of strategic discussions as to what our role is. And in the purpose of our apologetics specific committee is to raise awareness of what apologetics is, why it matters, and to provide entryways into major apologetic questions. And, and what we mean by that is, uh, you know, the purpose of the ETR, as Nick, as you said, is, is to really teach our ministers and Sunday school teachers um, to help them in their role in teaching others. Our, our, our intention as members of this apologetics committee is is not that we would be the speaking panel that travels around the country, although maybe that happens from time to time. But our our 
purpose really is to to open up the entryways into those conversations to to help our Sunday school teachers and ministers to enter into those conversations as they teach within our churches. Yeah, so this uh, committee has been just over a year now formed, but you know maybe we should just take a step back. Back in I think September of 2020, brothers Fred Witzig and Aaron Klofenstein and myself had an introduction on the whole uh, definition of apologetics, but it might be kind of good if you would just remind our listeners what apologetics is. It has some, uh, it can easily be misunderstood. Sure. And I'm going to start by saying what it's not. It's not saying you're sorry to be a Christian. Uh, A lot of times people hear apologetics and they think apology, um, which my understanding is apology actually comes from the same root word as apologetics, which is apologia. It's a, it's a Greek word and it's a word that literally means to, to give a defense. It's a legal term. And so when we talk about Christian apologetics, we're talking about, and, and I'm actually just going to quote from Aaron Klopfenstein's definition that he shared at the conference last October. It's both the science and the art of answering the question of why someone should place their faith in Jesus Christ by using reasons and evidence. And I, I, I like to think of apologetics as covering questions such as, how do I know God exists? How do I know the Bible is his word? Why do bad things happen to good people? Is there life after death? How do I know which religion is true? How is it possible to have eternal life? I mean, every one of those questions that I just asked are, those are tough questions. And they're questions that maybe many of our listeners um, don't, maybe haven't struggled with. And yet if you were put on the spot and asked to answer them, um, you probably would struggle. And so apologetics is just the discipline of learning how to give a reason defense to those questions. So you have a number of brothers and sisters on your, or sister on your apologetics committee. What is it that that has pulled you together? There seems to be a high level of interest. Is it a common common feeling that this is more critical today than ever for our church? Or what do you think about that? Why are you together? I think it's just a shared passion for wanting to understand what we believe. Um, you know, I'll just speak for myself. Looking back over the last, I'm, I'm 41 years old. And when I look back over the last 25, even 30 years of my life, um, there are critical points where I can look where I said, I want to I want to be ready to give a defense. I want to understand what I believe. And it, it ignited a passion within me to study these types of questions. Um, and, and I think that's something that is common among everyone that's on this committee. We, you know, we get together on a monthly basis via, um, you know, online. And, and, and there's just, there, there's a shared excitement for not, not because we're trying to look smart or not because we want to be the people with all the answers. We just want to understand what we believe. And then we're excited about sharing that with others. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I have to say I'm a late bloomer when it comes to apologetics. I grew up uh, just naturally believing and and feeling, you know, this was the truth. I was taught the truth in Francisville and in my family circle and uh, really didn't feel like I needed such an intense defense of that truth until I had children and then until I see children. And even in last night's, uh, we had our introductory service for the incoming freshmen here at Purdue. It, it was a wonderful sermon on the uh, challenge to the Christian faith today and the fact that when you go into college, there is significant amount of philosophies and worldviews that will be expanded on and will challenge your faith. And that brings you right back to where you took us, which is we need to be ready to defend that, uh, to, to deal with the question, right? For sure. And Nick, you know, 
you just talk about through our children. Um, as recently as this past Sunday, we're we're just launching a, a worldview study that that I've done with our high school students here a number of times over the years, and we're launching it again. And just this past Sunday, I had a couple students ask, as as we're we're talking about what we believe, and they say, "Yeah, but there's a lot of people around the world. There's a lot of people in our own classrooms that believe different things, and they're just as confident in believing it as we are." Mm. And that and that's what that's what makes this so relevant. And, and it's, it's really not, you know, you made the comment earlier, it's as important, um, more important now than ever. Um, I think it's always been more important now than ever. (laughs) I mean, even as, even as we go back to, to the new Testament, we can see it in Paul's letters. I mean, he was the, the book of Romans is a reasoned defense of the Christian faith. Yeah, I, I, you're right on last night's scripture was in Timothy and, you know, it was warring against false teachings and deception and peter did too so you're absolutely right it's just we tend to think uh sometimes we tend to think of the world we live in is is as bad as it's ever been or it's as hard as it's ever been but the bible tells us it's it was this way from the beginning of christianity no question and nick i'm guessing just being the elder of the west lafayette church and with the just the clear focus that i understand your congregation has on serving the purdue students um, i would imagine that you've had similar questions come up there we certainly have. And, you know, we end up really trying to encourage, again, even last night, people to step into their doubt, you know, uh, step into it. Don't just keep it buried inside and let it uh, let Satan kind of churn, the, you know, turn the gears on that. Just get it out and, and face it. You know, let, let that doubt stand up against the truth. And we believe that the word and this is where we are now, reliability of the scriptures will will provide answers. I appreciate you sharing that, Nick. And just just briefly on on doubt, you know, Ted Witzig gave a, a talk on that at our apologetics conference last year, which I would encourage people to check out. If you know, you go to the ETR website, we'll probably share some of that later. But but you can view his talk there, and he talked about um, shepherding those dealing with doubt. And I would just encourage everyone, whether it's your own children, whether it's someone you know, you know, in the workplace or whatever, who expresses a doubt. That's not something we should be afraid of. I actually. When people express doubts to me, when, when I have doubts myself, um, I actually think that's an exciting place to be. My common answer to that is th- that's okay. The fact that you're doubting, the very fact that you're doubting implies that you recognize that there is a truth that exists. And, and that's a great place to start. And we're just together seeking to follow the evidence to understand what that truth is. So it's very easy to step into those doubts and not be intimidated by it. Yeah, you know, I love Hebrews eleven six, you know, where it says it's impossible to please him or God without faith and to know that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently pursue him. And to me, mm. doubting is a form of pursuing God. Sure. Well, let's get into uh, the topic of this conference coming up, which uh, is reliability of the scriptures. So let's just start with the question, wh- why this topic now? Why reliability of the scriptures? What's the big deal with this? Yeah, well... I got to tell you, when we first as a committee started talking about what will be the theme of this year's conference, um, the very first thing that was suggested was reliability of the scriptures. And it was about a five minute conversation because it just seemed so obvious to be an appropriate theme for this year. And Nick, I think seeing as this is our second what we hope to be an annual conference. You know, last year was really to introduce the concept of apologetics, which which some people might be saying, why do we have to introduce that? But but there, there was a need, and, and there's a lot of people that had questions about it. But I 
there's there's few other things that I could think of as being better starting points for building precept upon precept than saying why we can rely on the Bible as God's word. Amen. Our our entire faith is is rooted in the fact that the Bible is God's word. It it really has to start there. I suppose we could start with a conference around how do we know God exists, and maybe we could do that in the future. But um, I think understanding where our church is, it seemed like an appropriate topic, and then just culturally. We probably don't have to belabor the point, but there's no question that there are increasingly increasing cultural challenges to the authority of God's word um, in the West and, and specifically in the United States. I think many sociologists would say that the that Europe is is ahead or behind, depending on how you want to look at this, but they're they're ahead of us as far as walking away mm-hmm. from from God's word. But but we can definitely see see our our nation and our culture following behind it. So this this is where we need to, to point people to if we're going to start yeah. giving a, a ready defense. Yeah, and I also think it's, you know, all that we believe in, in our faith flows from God's word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. It's it's It starts there. In fact, our statement of faith, I'll just read the first sentence of it. I mean, most, most of the listeners will know this, but it says the Bible is the inspired and infallible word of God to man. That is fundamental to everything else. If we don't believe that, then... Um, then how do we how how do we possibly know about God and faith and that that's that's the truth? So I just want to endorse that this is a very important and relevant time to do this. Yeah, Nick, I, I you could relate to this. You had just something my dad has often said, and I think it's relevant here. He's he's pointed out for years that when he was growing up in Northeast Kansas, you could take for granted that everyone at least had a foundation of believing that God existed in that Bible was his word. And so when it came to presenting Christ to someone, you could start with presenting Christ. Um, today, we can't take that for granted. There's there's a lot of people that don't start with that foundation that the Bible is God's word. And so when you go to them and and talk to them about Jesus Christ dying for your sins, or, or even the concept of sin, in, in many cases, you're already too far down the path. You need to back up from that in order to establish a common foundation for the for the conversation. And it's, it just reinforces why this is a good place for us to start. Yeah, it's very interesting to me because it seems like one of the things that's cha- you know I grew up in a in a small you know farming community, just very much demographically narrow, um, and I loved it, but I didn't even think to question. And then you get exposed to people who um, have a different religious belief, get exposed to different philosophies, and. Um, it really forces you to be able to answer some of these hard questions. And this one in particular, why should we believe the Bible? We have a Chinese friend that we and family we've been walking alongside for a couple of years and they have never read the Bible. They were completely unchurched. And so you start from the beginning and it forces you then, if you're going to evangelize, to be able to answer those questions. It's really, really an important thing. In fact, before in, in testimonies and in leading up to a testimony, a convert, one of the things that I really like to ask is, why do you believe this is all true? Hmm. Um, you know, they could say, well, mom and dad taught me this or, you know, um, I just believe it. But wonderfully, it comes back to them believing the scripture. It's really fundamental. Yeah, Nick, every time that I... St- it, and I think this is my fifth or sixth time cycling through our our high school Bible class in Detroit. Every time I start with a new Bible class, I start with this question. I hold up my Bible and I say, if someone could prove to you that this Bible was not true, would you give it up? 
And it's a purposely difficult and provocative question, but it's one that I think we have to answer. And I was, the kids always fidget a little bit. And, and I said, tell them, I say, I hope your answer is yes. And you can kind of see them start a little bit with that. But, but we don't, none of us have an interest in believing a lie. What, what we want is the truth. We are in a pursuit of the truth. And then I, after I let the kids wrestle with that a little bit, though, I, I let them up a little easier. I say, no, let me, let me help you relax. I've been studying this for 25 years, seeking out this truth for myself. And I will stand up in here and testify to you that I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt, I believe as confidently as I believe that this marker in my hand is going to fall when I let it go. I believe that this is God's word and that we can trust it. But it's important for us in principle to recognize that if it's a lie, we don't want to follow it. And, and when we have the confidence that we can say that, that what we want is the truth, it really opens up people's ears to say, oh, okay, let me hear your case for why you believe this is the truth. It actually ends up strengthening one's faith at the end of the day. Absolutely. It, it deepens the faith and strengthens it, I think, as you get into these questions. So why don't we just uh, just give a brief overview then of what uh, what's going to happen at this conference? What, how, what is the content going to look like? as we uh, go about, as you go about defending the gospel and the truth of the scriptures. Yeah. So obviously we're going to spend some time getting into the core of the content and there are volumes and volumes of books available on this and many other apologetics topics. We're not going to cover it in a, you know, in a, in a six hour conference exhaustively, but our, our first session there is going to be talking about how do we know the Bible is the word of God. And then we're going to have another session about how do we get our Bible. And Nick, when I, when I think about how do we know the Bible is reliable, there's different frameworks you can use, but I like going back to one that I got years ago from, from Josh McDowell, pretty famous author, and it's three R's. It's the Bible is recorded exactly, it was relayed accurately, and it's reinforced externally. And I'll just briefly, briefly unpack those. So recorded exactly just means that the Bible claims to be inspired by God and the evidence supports that the Bible was recorded exactly as God delivered it to, to the prophets or the apostles to whom he was giving his word. And, and there's a whole body of evidence that, that backs that up and gives us confidence in that. When we talk about relayed accurately, we're saying, okay, we recognize that God gave this to man and we recognize that man recorded down what they heard. But how do we know that what we hold in our hands today, two, 3,000 years after it was written, how do we know that that's what was originally given? And there are powerful, powerful arguments. There's powerful evidence for why we can have confidence in that. And then the third are reinforced externally. That's just saying, okay, we recognize it's recorded exactly. We recognize that it's been preserved. But that's just looking at the in constantly increasing amount of archaeological evidence that continues to affirm what the Bible says. And that's never going to be exhaustive. But every time those discoveries come in and they continue to come in, it should just continue to... Um, to reinforce our faith in our trust in the Bible. So I don't know, Nick, if, if you've heard those before, or if you have your own approach to it, but uh, those, those three R's recorded exactly, relayed accurately, reinforced externally helps me to organize my thoughts around the large body of, of things you're out to talk about with this. Yeah, that's really helpful. And, you know, for me, I, uh, I, I think I mentioned to you, I watched this documentary, God Speaks, which showed how the translate the ESV translation was put together and it sent chills down my spine. Hmm. When I when I when I saw the archaeological evidence of the earlier manuscripts and how many there were relative to other historical texts, it is overwhelmingly significant in terms of the the, the authenticity of these of these documents. 
Yeah, there's no no question about that. And and one I, I one thing that comes to mind, Nick, is there was actually an interview. Um, I think it was on CNN about 11 or 12 years ago. And unfortunately, I recently went to look this up and, and the link that I had doesn't work anymore. But it was it was on a national news show and they were interviewing a, a Muslim man. And and the Muslim was was taking a shot at the authority of the Bible. And his main line of attack was to say that these Christians believe in this Bible. That's all these different men. It's it's 40 roughly 40 different authors, all these different men that just put all their books together. And you guys call this the Bible. And he was claiming that the Quran was more, um, more trustworthy because we, you know, as he said, we have the prophet Muhammad and we can trust the prophet Muhammad. And it was given to him and it wasn't spoiled by anybody else. He gave it to us as it was given to him by God. And, and you look at something like that. And on the surface, that might sound like a strong argument, but when you look at the fact that the, when you have multiple authors, coming together over 1500 years they spoke three different languages they lived on three different continents mm-hmm. there was no possible way that these authors could conspire with one another in order to put together some kind of hoax and yet the all of the writings that they put together come together and they tell one consistent story and they do not contradict one another yeah. and so the fact that our bible is the conglomeration of these writings of 40 different people is actually one of the it's it's one of the strong pieces of evidence for why we can trust the bible as the word of god is coming from a common source yeah i, I was going to say for me the most compelling for uh, evidence for me is the bible itself that is authentic. Just just the, the prophecy fulfillment, the story of of redemption from beginning to end. And anyway, we can get into that. There's a lot more to cover, but we need to wrap this up. I want to touch on one real brief topic, and then uh, maybe you can close by sharing a bit about the conference and a few other things. But I, I wanted to uh, raise a topic that you and I talked about before this podcast, which is this is just the Bible is much more than just a reliable, you know, historical text. It's a living and active force in our lives. And so do you want to just share any of your thoughts about that? We want to be careful not to just make this a kind of an academic scientific thing. It is living and breathing. And that's what, what we want to hold on to. So any thoughts you want to share there? Yeah. And actually, we're going to have a topic at the conference about a call to love the word. Because one of the things we talked about as a committee was you you can have people who say, okay, yeah, I get it. The the Bible is recorded exactly, it's relayed accurately. It's it's a text we can trust for, for being what is a historical text. But but we have to go beyond that. We we have to love it. And my mind goes to Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration. It's God breathed. It comes from His mouth. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable to us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is a living and breathing word that never grows old for us. It's it's truly it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is literally, Nick, what created the world. And we know that when you read Genesis 1 and John 1 side by side, the the profoundness of the fact that Christ is called the Word and that the Word became flesh and dry, dwelled among us and and you know the light shined and the darkness comprehended it not. And we can look at Genesis at the first words out of God's mouth were, let there be light. The way those things parallel um, this, when God reveals himself, he doesn't reveal himself as an image. He doesn't reveal himself as a video. He doesn't reveal himself as some kind of mystic feeling. He reveals himself in a word that is transparent, that is open for the whole world to see, to come and attack and to, and, and to, and to investigate the evidence for it. It's as if God has said, here, I'm laying it all out for you. 
I, I, I'm laying it all out for you. There's nothing hidden here. That's how God reveals himself to us. And, and then just to see the way that impacts people's lives and changes them around. We've all seen that is, yeah, it's, it's living and it's powerful. Yeah. Well, Scott, your enthusiasm is palpable. And I think that's a great thing to really encourage people to really fall in love with the word. To me, it took a long time, to be honest. I, I feel like for a long time, it was good reading for me and I followed my you know prescription of it and it was helpful. But uh, I would say the last 15 years of my life, it has really changed me. And that's what you hope happens with this, this word of God. And I would just share along the lines of this being more than just a reliable historical text. I was reading just yesterday in Romans and Romans 15, four stuck out for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Um, mm. And so there's so much in the scripture about the power of the scripture in our lives. And we're thankful for that. So we sure appreciate this time. Maybe Scott, you could just give a few details about the conference and then any closing thoughts you have would be wonderful. Sure thing. So the conference is planned for Saturday, October 9th in Gridley, Illinois, from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. You can register at the ETR website, which is etr.apostoliccristian.org. Now, one thing I do need to say is consistent with the purpose of the ETR, this conference is intended for ministers, for Sunday school teachers and their spouses. As much as we would love to invite everyone, um, that's the purpose of our organization. And so, um, we're not going to be validating your position in those things, but I just want people to know that when you go to register, that's that's what it's intended for. And and as I talked about, we're we're going to have speakers that go through some of the evidence for why we can trust in the Bible's authority. We're going to have a number of breakout sessions where we look at specific challenges to the Bible's authority, and I'll just list off what those are. It's does the Bible contradict itself? Can I read the Bible incorrectly? Does the Bible endorse genocide? Does the Bible condone slavery? And is the Bible sexist? So pretty hard hitting topics, but very relevant topics with what we have in our culture today. And uh, I already mentioned that we're going to, there's going to be a call to love the word. And we're also going to have a session on, um, and Jeff Weibel from Leo is planning to do this on just some instruction and some thoughts, some guidelines on how to preach and teach on controversial topics within our ministerial, ministerial and Sunday school roles. And then there will be a panel at the end. And above all that, there will be plenty of time for Christian fellowship, and I'm sure there will be some food involved as well. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, also I think it's important to mention that elders will be able to have the recorded uh, conference to to teach and share with their congregations as they see fit too. Sure. Anytime we talk about these apologetics, and whether it's in my Sunday school class or whether it's at the conference or or talk like this. Sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming to people when when you hear a presentation and say, "Man, I I just wish I could remember all that evidence that I heard." And and I always want to just encourage people and say, I, "I'm way less concerned that people can regurgitate the arguments when they come away from something like this than I am with just that they have the confidence to know that the answers exist." Mm. And it's it's okay for us as Christians. It's okay for us to say, "I don't know." If someone answers ask you a question you don't know the answer, it's okay. You're not, you're not abandoning your witness for Christ by saying that. Now, we should follow that up with earnestly seeking to understand the answers. And, and everyone should know, listen, this Bible has withstood 2,000 years of direct attacks. People have been trying for 2,000 years and they continue to try to discredit it. And it's still the most circulated book in the world and it's more powerful than it ever was, or it's as powerful as it ever was. So um, that would just be my encouragement to everyone. The answers exist. The excitement is uncovering them. Thanks for listening. 
We appreciate your interest and also welcome your comments. To share your feedback or episode ideas, go to the settings menu in AC Central, select User Feedback, and when the web page opens, click the Feedback on Around the Table link. Around the Table is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.